This hit goes out to you, Mr. Wick. Woke up this morning. 42 regular, wasn't it? Yeah. And so it begins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Living in this time behind enemy lines, so I got mine. I hope you Challenge him to single combat. If you win, you'll have your freedom. And when I see you, I'ma take what I want, so. Amen. The only way John Wick will ever have freedom and peace is in death. Yeah, not really. to an all-new episode of Palace Off the Top Rope. Thank you so much for joining me, ladies and gentlemen. And on deck for today's episode, we are on the road. We are on the final hours before we hit WrestleMania going Hollywood, a.k.a. WrestleMania 39, coming to you live from SoFi Stadium this weekend in Inglewood, California, or pretty much close to Los Angeles as you can get. I don't know my geography too well around that area, but... It's where the L.A. Rams play. It's where the L.A. Chargers play. So we'll just say L.A. But yes, yeah, SoFi Stadium will be hosting WrestleMania on Saturday and Sunday. I'm going to be breaking down the cards for both nights. Yes, WrestleMania has become a two-night event ever since, what was it, WrestleMania 36 when the pandemic started. Um, so yeah, a lot to cover there. Uh, this episode was actually supposed to come out earlier in the week, but I was waiting for the card to be released on which matches were going to happen on one day so I could evenly break it down. So now we have that. It was revealed today. And you're going to be getting, along with the WrestleMania breakdown, my review of the new film John Wick Chapter 4 starring Keanu Reeves. Uh, the latest installment. Uh, is it the last? Who knows? Uh, it did a lot of big numbers this past weekend. Let's actually talk about that before we get into my review of John Wick Chapter 4. Um... It's been a, it's been a good march for us. It's been pretty steady at the theaters. Um, we've had a couple of duds. Um, one of them being Shazam Fury of the Gods, which we didn't, I didn't discuss on this show. I had really no interest in that movie. I mean, again, nothing against the cast and the crew, the directors, anything like that, but there was just, there's just some movies that I'm not interested in. And as I mentioned on this show, the stuff that I'm going to cover, it's the stuff that I want to. It's not just going to be, Stuff to cover just just to talk about it. It's going to be about the stuff that I'm really passionate about. Uh, and unfortunately, this was one of the movies that I just wasn't on my radar at all. And it was one of the few that have tanked uh, in the month of March. But it has been fantastic. All the movies have been doing so well. You know, your Creed 3s, your Screams. And then, of course, uh, topping it up with John Wick Chapter 4 this past weekend. And we'll see how Dungeons & Dragons fares out um that one had a movie back in the year 2000 of course completely different from what this one that's going to come out this weekend but you know it's a popular game amongst the you know nerd community you know same thing like the superhero movies like you know it, it caters to a certain fan base although the superhero movies have become more mainstream but you know the dungeons and dragons is in that realm we'll see if it caters to the mainstream audience it's got a lot of good early buzz but it might need a lot more than that to you know take some attention away from this box office which has plenty to offer so let's look at this past weekend at number five we had adam driver's 65 which pulled in 3.2 million up in its total to about 27 million uh, i don't know what the budget on this was but there's a lot of you know sci-fi action including 
dinosaurs, so I'm assuming this is a bit of a dud for Sony Pictures. But on opening weekend, uh, it actually did pretty well for what it was, considering it had strong competition. So um, still in the top five, so that's something, um, but not not the best of numbers. At number four is uh, Creed Three uh, with 8.1 million, upping its total to 140 million. Now, if you adjust for inflation and all that stuff, obviously the other Rocky movies have grossed more. But if you're looking just on straight grosses, uh, Creed 3 is the highest, uh, now movie in the Rocky versed saga. So definitely there's going to be either another Creed coming or, you know, they're already talking about a lot of stuff that they want to do on Amazon because they do own the rights to MGM, which is, uh, the studio that released this one. And they've been talking with Michael B. Jordan. There's stuff in the works. Um, I, I, although I would like to see this franchise do stay in the theatrical realm. I mean, I get it. Streaming, you want to add more content for that platform, but, um, uh, you know, let's, let's focus, always focus first more on the movies because as you can see with the money Creed 3 has made, had it been just released on a streamer, we wouldn't be seeing this kind of money being raked in. So keep the focus on that. At number three, Scream 6 with 8.3 million up in its total to 89 million. Uh, this movie will eventually probably break the 100 million dollar mark. Uh, if not this weekend, then for sure the next. Uh, to me, I thought it was the second best in the entire series. Uh, this new team of the Radio Silence duo that directed these last two movies have done an incredible job. And let's see if they can keep up that momentum with number seven. It hasn't been formally announced, but we know it's happening, right? This, this definitely had a, a good opening and it's had a solid amount of legs, especially with everything that's out right now in March. So, uh, good numbers here for Creed and Scream 6. And number two, Shazam Fury of the Gods, which is facing its second weekend. And again, uh, I didn't talk about this last week. So it opened up to 30 million guys. Now for a superhero, big budgeted type movie, that's a complete disaster. Um, we all know DC is being spearheaded by James Gunn now. Uh, so, you know, maybe the crowd, the audiences, I don't know how much of them are aware of what's going on behind the scenes with, with DC and all that stuff and Warners, probably for a majority, they don't know what's going on, but either way, Shazam Fury of the Gods, I always felt was going to have a tough obstacle ahead of it because a, like the first one did okay in the numbers. It was in this character is also like a secondary one. So it's not well known. Um, and just overall in the, in the totality of the DC stuff that's come out, obviously your big hitters like Batman and Wonder Woman, you know, anybody else is kind of just like, you know, whatever. And, you know, the marketing and the trailers for this movie was just, just so whatever to me. It was just such a, it was like Black Adam. Like this stuff just looked like it should have been, you know, it looked like a time from the nineties when this stuff wasn't really in the, the zeitgeist and number one in the pop culture realm. So it just had that look the entire time. And again, I, I was just never interested in it at all. So again, it opened up to 30 million and it plummeted big. So in its second weekend, doesn't even pull in double digit numbers. We got 9.3 million for a total of 45 million. Now the first Shazam, I think grossed at least over 100 and 140, 150 million, somewhere around there, I believe. Um, this one will be lucky if it gets to even 70 or 80 million, 90 for if, if they're lucky. But with all the other stuff coming up, uh, you know, John Wick Chapter 4 is going to continue to dominate. These other movies, Scream and Creed. And then you got the Super Mario Brothers movie looming. It's just going to be very tough. This movie is going to fade very quickly, just like Ant-Man and the Wasp did. So um, not looking good for Shazam. And then, of course, at number one, John Wick Chapter 4, pulling in a series best, $73.8 million. Now, once you get my review, you're going to be like, well, how the hell are they going to keep this going well they're gonna find a way folks Lionsgate has found a massive franchise they have a massive franchise on their hands and um you know there's spinoffs that are coming there's tv shows that are coming but you know they're gonna want to continue the John Wick uh franchise for sure and you'll get to my review in just a bit and we'll talk a little bit more in depth and a little bit of spoilers uh the movie has been out for a couple of days now, and um, I, I do apologize, but I do need to talk about spoilers in this one because it's very crucial to what's going to happen in the future of this franchise. 
specifically with how the way the movie ends, you can put two and two together there and you can see where I'm going with it. But um, you can guess for now, but we'll talk about it in just a bit. But those are your top five movies. And again, of course, coming up this weekend is Dungeons and Dragons. Could make a little bit of noise, but I don't even think it's predicted to be number one. It's predicted at 35 million, I believe. And John Wick is supposed to pull in 30 if we're looking at it like a 50% drop. But I'm actually kind of seeing John Wick uh, being the number one movie again this weekend. And I'm actually going to reverse those numbers. So I'm looking at John Wick pulling in closer to 35, 40 million, especially because it's got great word of mouth. And a lot of people, especially me being at the theaters, you know, a lot of people coming out of it were just in awe of it, calling it like an action masterpiece, all these kinds of things. So the people that have seen it, I'm sure they're going to recommend it to their friends. So I'm expecting this one to come out on top, even though Dungeons and Dragons is getting also good reviews. But again, it's a lesser known property. I know it's popular with the nerd community, but it's a wait and see. This is a movie that's going to take like, it may not gross as much, but it'll become like a cult favorite once it hits like digital. And then, you know, people are going to be pulling clips and then putting it on the internet and Twitter and it'll become popular. And then maybe it'll, it'll grow a fan base there. But, um, or I could be wrong, you know, or Dungeons and Dragons could be number one and who knows? I mean, if that happens, great. Cause that's just better for our business. And as long as all the movies are making money and everybody gets a piece of the pie, then that's just great overall business for everyone. So the, right now, the only loser that has really come out of March has been Shazam Fury of the Gods. And, you know, I hate to say it. I mean, it was just bad marketing and kind of so-so whatever movie. Um, yeah, but everything else has been great. And then of course, April's coming up and you got the Super Mario Brothers movie, which I believe is just going to kill at the box office. So that's your top five for this week. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and I'll give you my review of John Wick Chapter 4. This is Palace Off the Top Rope. We'll be right back. We're facing the greatest evil the world has ever known. We're going to need a team. Dungeons and Dragons. You come here thinking there is a way out of this world for you, Mr. Wick. There is not. The song clip on people. Sakura Sacré-Cœur. Weapons. If you win, the table will honor its word. You will have your freedom. But you won't take it. Blades. Pistols. Dueling pistols. 30 paces. In the event that both parties survive, each will approach the other at increments of 10 paces until only one remains. Welcome back to the show. And what you heard there was actor Bill Skarsgård, who joins the franchise in this installment, Chapter 4 of John Wick as the main villain. And here we go, my review of the movie. Um, First off, as a straight-up just... For what it is, right? You got, we gotta judge every movie as it is and then I'll get into the whole like, where does it fit in the, in the saga and how does it rank and is this the best one? Um, first off, you're gonna get your money's worth, so go spend it. You're gonna have a great time. If you love action movies, uh, this is straight up like action porn. I mean, there are sequences in this movie and I'm not gonna say they're the best. There's a couple of other ones in, in the previous John Wick movies that I love more. But there are so many great sequences here that just go on and on and on um, that you're going to get your fill of action. And if that's what you're all about, then you're you're totally in for a fun ride. Um, the movie is two hours and 49 minutes long, so we're almost clocking in at three hours. So the movie doesn't drag. Okay, so I'll, I'll say that much. It's not boring. And, and first of all, like I recommend this movie. I, I liked it a lot. 
but I need to explain some of the stuff because, you know, it's definitely not my favorite one in the series. But as far as the length, so if you're thinking about like, oh man, like, is this thing going to drag? It definitely does not drag. Now, what I think what makes most of the runtime is, as I mentioned before, a lot of the action sequences go on for a ridiculous amount of time to the point where it almost becomes cartoonish. And, but if you get your, if you like your fill of that, if you like just relentless violence, then, then you're gonna get, you're gonna get everything that you asked for. For me, there was points where like, okay, like, I get what's going on in this scene and it's, it's fun and it's cool, but, you know, let's tighten it up a bit. You know, these days I'm all about, if we can get a shorter, tightened movie, uh, I'm gonna be like super excited for it. So this was the only thing going into this movie, and I love the John Wick franchise, that, um, that I was a little worried about was that runtime, but it doesn't drag. But what makes the runtime again is the length of these action sequences. They just go on and on and on. And they're, it's not that they're not great. They're well made. They're well shot. And you know, the locations and all this stuff are, are incredible. The coloring of the movie is so awesome. I mean, you could tell like the budget was up for this movie, but they definitely put it to good use. Um, but the runtime is, was just a little bit too much for me. Because they could have tightened up in a lot of spots. And there's even some scenes where I'm like, they definitely could have cut out like a minute or so of this movie just to trim it down as much as you can. Now, originally, I think this movie was over three hours and they try to cut it down as much as they can. And this was the best version that they came up with. Again, like the movie a lot. Two thumbs up for me. Highly recommend. Go take your buddies. Take your girlfriend if she's into these kind of movies. It's a great uh movie night for sure you know enjoying with all your snacks and popcorn and all that stuff you're gonna have a great time at the theater so john wick chapter four is definitely all that and it delivers on the goods now it's a franchise right it's a it's a series so i have to now you know we're all about ranking this or ranking that that's that's just what we do now these days so in terms of this being like is this the best one in the series now a lot of the you know early reports and critic reviews were calling this an action masterpiece and all that stuff and i'm not going to disagree with any of that because there's a lot of stuff in here that was just like really well made and also certain like camera shots were like how the hell did they do that you know it, it looks like a bunch of uh one shots where they just continuously went and there was no cuts in between so hats off to them for that and i'm not gonna discredit anybody who wants to make that claim or say that this is the best one in the series like you have every right to say that and i really have little to no argument on that i'm just talking from my perspective i definitely still think the first john wick movie is hands down the absolute best and i'm talking overall everything the action the story buildup the characters the introductions the build-up all of that was just such a perfect movie on a simple premise and I'm all about the world building in John Wick, which is what they hinted at in the first movie. Like, oh, what is, what's the Continental all about? All these people, all these hitmen involved. It's like a, their own little world. You know, the coins, the, the dinner reservations, all these little nods that are just little nuggets for you to like say like, wow, what is that? But now as we go in more into these movies, they get more in depth with the mythology, uh, the world building, which I'm all for. As you said, on this one, I think it became to be a little too much. They could have dialed back a little bit more on that and keep it a little bit more basic like the first John Wick movie. Again, I'm not dissing this movie at all. I loved it a lot. But I'm just talking about in terms of like the totality of the series. To me, the first one is still the absolute best. And to me, I think John Wick Chapter 3 still has the first the most excellent 10 minutes of an action movie that I've ever seen where it transitions through three different uh, set designs and production, uh, you know, just with uh, the antique shop fight scene. that That's still my favorite. You know, John Wick riding the horse through the streets and he's battling the guys on the bikes, you know. All those first couple of minutes in John Wick Chapter 3, to me, like, are a lot more better than a lot of the action sequences in John Wick Chapter 4. Uh, but they're good. There's a lot of good stuff in John Wick chapter four. Uh, my favorite was a, a sequence that comes towards the end where John Wick is, runs into a set of stairs that he has to climb up to to get to the final, you know, showdown with the villain. And he goes through all these men and it's, it's a sequence. You have to see it to just really understand. It was my favorite because it, as a, uh, 
as a audience member cheering on the protagonist, you want him to accomplish his goal. And when he continues to get knocked down a peg and continuously knocked down and, and stopping him from that, uh, that goal, it just makes you want him, uh, get there more. So that scene worked very well for me as far as an action set piece. It was very well made. Um, there's a couple of fight scenes with Donnie Yen, who's also in this movie, a newcomer in the series, but not in the world. Like he's known and he has a past with John Wick's character. Uh, he was excellent in this. He plays a blind man. His name is Kane. Uh, excellent character. Excellent enough to create a spinoff if they really wanted to, uh, to continue this world building. He was just such an interesting character. We didn't get too much background. We got just enough on who he is, but they definitely left you wanting more as far as like, hey, well, who is this person? But he was definitely one of the MVPs of the movie. Obviously, the driving force is Keanu Reeves and at a, Runtime of two hours and 49 minutes. He almost kind of takes a little bit of a backseat in this one a little bit to give some of these other characters a little bit of breathing room to, to, to be introduced and be like just thrown into this world, especially the Donnie Yen character, which again, he was, uh, I don't think he got enough screen time and enough like background to get you to really like be super invested in him. Like I am invested, but you could have been even more invested if you dived into more of his character. So that there are my little nitpicks on that. But uh yeah, I mean just overall in the series, I think it's definitely maybe the second or third best. Like I said, my favorite is still number one. Number three has the best first fifteen minutes of an action movie I think I've ever seen. And then there's a lot of great stuff in John Wick chapter two, especially like the the subway fight with uh common and uh I forgot what his name is in the movie. But anyways, he has great stuff with him there. There's there's so many great sequences. Again, these movies are completely fun. They're all they're all top notch, right? But we always have to rank stuff. So I guess in terms of just doing this for the pod, um this this uh chapter, part four, um not my favorite, but still an excellent, excellent movie. Like I can't wait to buy it and and rewatch it on my 4K TV again. As I mentioned earlier, the colors in this movie were incredible. The the set designs, the actual locations where they filmed, like where you could tell that they were in an actual place, like doing these scenes. Uh, I poke fun a lot at Marvel, but it's really true. I mean, Marvel has a huge amount of budget with their movies, and yet a lot of their stuff on the screen just looks very like. Not a lot of effort is being put into it, and it just looks like very fast food factory. Or is this, you can tell it's made by people who are so passionate about the world that they've created, and, and, and everything serves a purpose as far as like how it looks. And, you know, even one of the action scenes that goes down like in a house, it's shot from like a point of view from the top, like from the top of everything going on, and it's just so incredibly well made and well shot. Like, I just like, how did they do it? And it, you're just left in awe and you can tell that there's just a lot of passion put into it and, and it, it spills into the movie. You can tell and that's what makes it good along with, you know, just the story going on and, and everything like that. And speaking of stories, so again, spoilers, I'm giving you like a 10 second, um, just little warning before I go into it because it's kind of hard to avoid. Um, I saw this in the IMAX with my dad on Monday. Uh, first of all, if you get a chance to see it in IMAX, I don't know if you'll get a chance to because Dungeons and Dragons starts tonight in there. Uh, but if you do get a chance and if you see John Wick is still playing in your IMAX theater, go check it out. It's one of the loudest movies I've ever seen in my life. Just from the opening frame, it just gets you. Uh, so there's that. But how the ending of this movie didn't get spoiled for me throughout the weekend. And I work at a movie theater, so it's kind of hard for me to avoid these kind of things sometimes. You know, I stayed away from walking into any of the theaters where the movie was playing. But great job by, you know, the internet not spoiling it, you know, because I'm on Twitter a lot and I didn't see any of the ending get spoiled for me. Um, I was not expecting it. So John Wick does complete his mission. And uh, as I mentioned, Bill Skarsgård is the villain. He, he's such a wimpy looking guy menacing of course for what he was in the movie but i was like man when this guy gets it he's gonna go down with like one shot to the head right and that's the that's what happens to him he gets killed like instantly i'm like perfect like that's exactly what this kind of character this that's the kind of demise i expected it for him but in this duel that happens in the final uh, moments of the movie john wick does get pretty injured and the character ends up dying 
So it's like, whoa, like, I know that they were thinking about making John Wick 5, and there was talk about all that, and I know the pandemic happened, and they were going to shoot these movies back-to-back, but they decided to just make part four, and and it's as long as it is and epic as it is, that I'm kind of like, man, well, <laughs> how do you go from here? Like, and Lionsgate is talking about wanting to do more John Wick movies, and I don't know how that's going to happen. The ending's kind of ambiguous, though, because you can kind of interpret it for yourself. Like, maybe he did die, but also maybe, you know, he kind of maybe faked his death or whatever. And, you know, they can go that route. Like, they certainly left it that way. But, man, I'm actually, I was actually kind of happy at the end of it. I'm like, wow, they actually put finality and, you know, just just overall just conclusion to the character. And I'm fine with that, you know, because... At some point, things got to end, right? Like, I hate that we live in this Marvel world now where we're afraid to get rid of certain characters. And this was a problem in, actually in Scream because there was a couple of moments in that movie where there was characters where you thought, like, they definitely should have died with the amount of times that they were stabbed. Like, there's no way anybody could have survived that. But since everything just continues to go on these days and they make sequels and sequels and, you know, you don't want to kill off characters that are likable, so they'll find ways to just keep them going. And it's, I think, a result of that is this Marvel world that we're living in. And it's going to be even worse with this whole multiverse saga where you're going to be able to, you know, just bring back characters from different Earths or different worlds or whatever and just act as if, like, you know, these characters hadn't already passed away. Like, for example, like if a Robert Downey Jr. returns as Iron Man at some point, it's going to be like, well, what the hell? We went through this whole emotional journey with Endgame and this 10-year buildup. And then you're just going to bring them back to this other movie. And I know people will eat that shit up, whatever. They don't care. But for me, then you kind of ruin the stakes of movies when when you do that kind of stuff. Because then it's just television, right? It's episodic. They're not, you know, there's there's got to be finality at some point. And there was finality in this movie, and I absolutely loved it. And, but I know that Lionsgate has so much invested in this franchise that I think they're going to want to go forward. But... I think I would like to see it go back, backwards, you know? I know Keanu's up there in age already. You can de-age him a little bit and you can still have him in the role. But I would love to see them go back and maybe do some of his earlier stuff before he quit the life of being like a hitman. And, you know, in this movie, there's a lot of, uh, you know, just telling of the... That there was a friendship between John Wick's character and Donnie Yen's character of Kane that I want to see that explored. Maybe we could do like a a buddy cop type team up movie where they're on some mission. It doesn't have to be about revenge or anything like that, but just definitely a movie centered on those two and just more on, on the world that was before when he quit that life. Like you could go that route. I would be fine with that. My dad's mentioned that as well. And I think it's a good route to go as, as opposed to just moving forward. And especially now that the character's dead. And then of course we got the ballerina movie that's coming out next year with Ana de Armas, which is, supposed to be like a, it's supposed to take place between John Wick 3 and John Wick 4 and it's part of that same world and they're going to be cameos from Keanu Reeves and you know Ian McShane and Lance Reddick you know I haven't mentioned that rest in peace to him he did pass away before the debut of this movie so he's going to be coming out in that as well um a little eerie thing in that movie like that character dies in that movie as well so just very weird timing with and then him actually passing away in real life so that was kind of weird to see but but again with the way the movie ended like that that whole john wick whatever he was going after you know wanting revenge and wanting to just get his freedom and all that stuff after this whole mess that started from the first movie like yeah let's go backwards a little bit let's just do one of these one-off side missions you can do a couple of them if you want to they're just singular movies that don't really have to tie into the whole revenge plot that could be its own little thing and then you can just tell these different stories of of what he did in this world you know before he he went off and and met helen and got got into the married life and got away from the hitman life you can do that i think that's the best way to go and that's that's the way you can keep keanu in the franchise as opposed to like oh we gotta find a way to bring him back from the dead and go the whole marvel route which i think would be stupid but anyways John Wick Chapter 4, definitely, I'm going to say like three, three and a half stars, maybe. It's it's an excellent film. Um, not my favorite in the series, but still a very, very strong sequel and worthy of your time. 
if you've you got three hours to kill, uh, definitely go check it out. Go see it on a big screen, definitely. This is, there's some movies I can say like, yeah, you could probably wait and watch it at home, but this is one of those movies where it was shot so well and the colors are so well, like well lit and, and the, the sound design and all that stuff. It's all just perfect for the big screen. And I know I say all movies should be seen on the big screen, but there's certain movies where like you just have to see it on the big screen. And John Wick chapter four is one of those movies. Go see it. It's probably going to be number one again at the box office. Um, you'll have a great time. And that's going to do it for my review this week. I know I spoiled some stuff, but I did give you that disclaimer. Uh, so sorry if I did. Um, if not, go still check it out anyway. It's, it's a great movie. And let's take one more break. When we come back, I'm going to break down the two night WrestleMania 39 event. You're going to get all my predictions and thoughts on the matches that are happening this weekend in Hollywood. This is Palace Off the Top Rope. We'll be right back. And WrestleMania weekend is finally here. WrestleMania 39 to be exact. It has been a fun build all the way ever since Triple H took over creative back like in August of 2022. So it's been a fun ride. Everything has been consistent. Everything has made sense. And, you know, love everything that Vince McMahon has done for WWE. But for the last like decade or so, it has been very stagnant and a lot of stuff just didn't add up and it made it a very tough watch but I gotta believe this is the first Wrestlemania in a very long time where I believe the hype is is going to match up all the stories that have been told um, and I know everybody that I've talked to about this uh, this is definitely one of the most anticipated Wrestlemanias in a very long time definitely probably since the first time I started watching wrestling my first wrestlemania was wrestlemania 14 and you know i didn't understand the magnitude of how big things were getting at the time um obviously i get it now but now like it's you can feel it it's days away and there's just this feeling in the air that this wrestlemania is definitely going to be a turning point now usually for these shows i i always have a co-host it's either brandon mclaughlin or Ryder rodriguez um, I was running a little late this week and obviously with the, the matches being revealed only yesterday on what day it was going to take place on each night, um, I wasn't able to really get in contact with them and, and try to do a show. It would have been, would have been too last minute and I wouldn't want to do that to them. But so apologies to them and I'll make sure to bring them on soon on the show and we'll, we'll catch up on everything wrestling and anything pop culture that they want to talk about. But, Got to get to WrestleMania weekend, so let's start with WrestleMania Saturday. Um, I think the cards on both nights are pretty strong. Like I said, everything's been built up pretty, pretty awesome, and everything has a story, and everything pretty much makes sense on this thing, for the exception of maybe two matches, but that's okay. Like Every WrestleMania has like a little bit of fluff, you know, and not a lot of substance, but this is for the first time where like 90 Five percent of the the entire card makes sense. So let's start off with the match that's going to kick off Saturday, and that's Austin Theory defending the United States Championship against a returning John Cena. Now this is going to be the first WrestleMania match for John Cena since what WrestleMania thirty four. I know he's been a part of other ones in little capacities, but this is like the first time he's going to be like in a real match. And even then, the last time at WrestleMania 34, which I was actually there in New Orleans for, it was it was a squash match against The Undertaker, so he didn't really get to do much. It was like about a five-minute match, if we're being honest. So honestly, since probably WrestleMania 33, this will be the first time that he's in a real match. Um, 
The buildup was real simple for this one. You know, it, it was a lot of Austin Theory taunting Cena for months and months and little Easter eggs here and there. And then finally, a few weeks ago, John Cena returned to his hometown in Boston. And, you know, it was kind of seemed like it was going to be a farewell. Austin Theory came out, interrupted him, and they went back and forth in a really good promo and pretty much the only setup you needed for for this matchup. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's John Cena. You know, I, I, I appreciate all that he's done in the business and I consider him to be one of the, uh, mountaintops, like the, uh, you know, Mount Rushmore in professional wrestling. So I'm looking forward to it. Austin Theory is on the up and coming. He's, he's been doing really well. I was annoyed with him at first when he was on the main roster, but he's kind of coming to his own and he, he's doing his thing. But usually WrestleMania start off on the positive note. So I guess the, the automatic thing would be to say John Cena is going to win and start off the show right. But I think this is a moment in time where WWE knows, and especially with Triple H behind creative, that it's about the future of the business. It's about the next stars. And Austin Theory is going to be one of these guys that's going to be in the scene for years to come. He's super young. So I see him retaining the United States Championship, but in a good good hard fought matchup and Cena will probably get like kind of like a little mini farewell here. I don't know how many more matchups he's got left in his career, but he's already transitioning pretty well into Hollywood. He's doing a lot of different things and he's very busy. So obviously we won't have him full time anymore in WWE, which has already been the case for a while now. So I can see him here kind of getting like a farewell uh, once, you know, Theory leaves the ring and all that stuff. So I'm predicting that Austin Theory over John Cena, which should be a fun opener to WrestleMania Saturday. Next up on the card is is one of these matches where I thought was just added so we can get more people on the card and doesn't really have a lot of build. It's a tag team showcase match is what they're calling it. It's between four teams. You've got Braun Strowman and Ricochet versus the Street Profits versus Alpha Academy versus the Viking Raiders. You know, I don't really have much to say on this one. It's going to be your standard tag match. This is something that could either happen on a Raw or a SmackDown. There's nothing really special about it. Other than the fact that probably like the winning teams out of this one and the women are going to have one as well. And I'll break that down later on in the, in the night two of WrestleMania. Um, I'm going to go with a, a heel team here only because of what's going to happen later on in, in this card, which I'll talk about. So I'm going with the Viking Raiders here. And I think eventually they are going to get a, undisputed tag team championship shot the viking raiders have actually been built pretty well like just under the radar they've been beating all these other tag teams they beat up on drew and sheamus you know the new day and all that stuff so they're the ones riding high right now as far as like their booking alpha academy is probably close to being at the end with otis shifting towards the maximum male models uh the street profits i can see them eventually they're going to go on their own ways you know they've been teasing that a lot uh, and then Braun Strowman and Ricochet, I mean, they're a good tag team, but I'm sure they got more to do as singles competitors. So the Viking Raiders makes the most sense here. So I'm going to go with them. Uh, next up, we got a highly anticipated matchup, one that has had a very slow build and very fun to watch. And that's father versus son, Rey Mysterio versus Dominic Mysterio. Uh, this one should really get the crowd going and should be really invested. Uh, Dominic Mysterio has really grown into his own as a heel, as being part of the Judgment Day. And just him taunting his father over the last couple of months has been reached a boiling point, right? And obviously Mysterio finally gave in. And, you know, they just made the match this past week on SmackDown. So, and I got to say, this this feud has been going on since Clash of the Castle when uh, Dominic Mysterio turned heel and not necessarily turned on his father, but turned on, you know, who was it? It was him, Edge. It was Mysterio and Edge uh, fighting the Judgment Day, and he ended up turning on on uh, on Edge, and then this whole thing just escalated. And it's just been a fun watch, and and Dominic is a fun heel. Uh, he's like a classic, like just you want to see this guy get his ass kicked, but he's also like just very. He's just got all these classic cliches of a heel. You know, he's talking about his upbringing and Mysterio not being there, and talking about getting like a BMW instead of a Mercedes for his birthday, you know, just classic heel stuff and just stuff that makes you easily want to hate him. But me watching it as an adult, like I, I'm enjoying the hell out of it. So, I mean, I don't hate on the character, but it, he's a fun watch and obviously the match should be good. These guys are, they have the same type of style, obviously. So it should be fun back, back and forth. And if I had to pick a winner, um, 
Ray Mysterio is going into the Hall of Fame this weekend, so uh, not not sure how much he has left. There's been reports that Mysterio, Ray Mysterio, was talking about retiring uh, at this year's WrestleMania, but he's kind of been reinvigorated a little bit with this feud with his son, so he might go on for a little bit even after the Hall of Fame induction ceremony. So if I'm if I'm booking this, you can kind of muster a little bit of matches out of this, not just a one timer. So. I would say I would go with Dominic Mysterio here, but then eventually down the road, Ray Mysterio will get his revenge or, you know, stick it to his son. So I'm going to go with Dominic here just because the momentum with him has been really good. And uh, plus, I, I think Ray will do the honors and put his son over on on the grandest stage. So I'm going with Dominic Mysterio. Next is uh, one of the matches where could, it could pop, possibly steal the show. And that's Seth freaking Rollins versus Logan Paul. Now the build for it has been all right. There's at least been a build, right? So it makes sense. It's not a match that's just happening. So for me, I'm just looking forward to the actual match itself. Uh, I've turned the corner on Logan Paul. I've kind of just been like whatever on him, but he's really impressed in the last couple of matches that he's been in. Um, especially in the one he did with Roman Reigns back in, uh, Saudi Arabia. I think it was Crown Jewel. Um, so, and obviously Seth Rollins is just one of the best talents that WWE has on their roster and, and very rarely does he have a bad match. So these two should really pull off like one of the matches that could be the best of the night. It could be like the Seth Cody match from last year's WrestleMania where that one was kind of like the underrated like match of the night. So, but as far as big wins here, um, Logan Paul's contract is about to expire and he's not really a full timer, but you can bring him in on special occasions. So I'm going to go with Seth Rollins here who needs a huge win. Um, he's put over a lot of talent, including Cody who he put him over three straight times last year. So Seth Rollins is due for a good WrestleMania win. And this should be one of the best matches of the weekend. So Seth freaking Rollins will pick up the win. Next up, we got a six woman tag team match. It's Becky Lynch, Lita, and Trish Stratus. Becky Lynch and Lita are the women's tag team champions. They're going to be fighting damage control, which consists of Bailey, uh, Dakota Kai, and Io Sky. Um, kind of disappointed a little bit in the build of the build up of this match because you have like all these tremendous women, uh, in this feud and you know, you got the legends of Lita and Trish Stratus involved. Obviously you have to me still the biggest women's star in the entire company and Becky Lynch. And this feud with damage control has kind of been a little underwhelming. It's been going on since SummerSlam last August and it's gone back and forth. And, you know, Becky was put out of action for a little bit with a shoulder injury and she came back at Survivor Series. They did the war games. Uh, they continued to battle. Uh, her and Bailey went one on one a couple of times, went back and forth. Um, and obviously it kind of culminated with Becky and Lita taking the tag titles off of EO and Dakota. But again, on the road to WrestleMania with this build, with how everything else has been kind of like really, you know, set on fire with the booking, this one has kind of underwhelmed. And this is kind of one of the misses that Triple H has done during his run of creative is, uh, and he's usually good with the booking of the women. So I don't know what's going on because it's not just this feud. We'll talk about it more with the other matchups where there hasn't been as strong of build as everything else, like, you know, the bloodline and everything with Cody, even the Rey Mysterio Dominic storyline has gotten like a slow build, but it's gotten a lot of TV time as well. And I feel like this one could have been a little, it could have felt bigger, but it quite doesn't in my eyes. I'm sure it does to a lot of people, but for me, like with the build, it hasn't quite been there, but you know, I'm still excited to see the match and it should be good. Um, I'm going to go with damage control winning here because I feel like there's something brewing here that's going to, we might possibly have one of these surprises with maybe like Trish Stratus turns on Becky Lynch or something like that. I, I want to see them have a one-on-one -on -one match. That's kind of one of those dream matches still that has yet to happen in WWE. And, and Trish Stratus has mentioned that she kind of might stay around for a while. So if they start the seeds here and then eventually at SummerSlam have the big Becky Trish matchup, I would love to see that. So, and then obviously, uh, I don't know how, how much longer Becky and Lita are going to hold the tag titles. It depends how much Lita is going to want to stick around. And when they won the titles, like, you know, Lita, you know, I love, I love her to death and she's, she's a, a legend, obviously, but she wasn't really in the best, uh, ring, in ring shape when they won those tag titles. Like she looked kind of a little, slow but you know maybe she's gotten some 
of that ring rust out of the way. So uh, we'll see how she does. But yeah, I'm expecting a surprise turn here possibly. So damage control, I'm, I'm seeing picking up the win because they need kind of some momentum. Uh, in the in the small buildup that this thing has had, it's been all dominated by Becky and Trish and and Lita. So they're the ones that have been looking strong. So um, the heels here should should pick up the win. Uh, next up, we got another women's match that's kind of been like they've been kind of really late on the build to making people want to be invested in this, and that's uh. Rhea Ripley, the Royal Rumble winner, challenging Charlotte Flair for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Um, they finally got into this huge brawl a couple weeks ago on SmackDown. That was pretty good. That kind of got some heat on it and made the match finally pop a little bit and make you get excited for it. But other than that, it's been like the kind of same back and forth promo, which has been a little tiring and kind of a little lazy. Like they could have done some other cool stuff here. But obviously the match should deliver. You know, Rhea's really good in the ring and so is Charlotte. We know that. So the match is going to be good. We know that. But the build, like, I don't know what's going on. Like, Triple H is usually, like, right on point with the women getting built up here. And it's just been disappointing all the way around. Like, and, you know, people say, like, oh, you're so biased at WWE. Well, at least, I mean, I can still be unbiased, right? And and I can admit that the booking for the women here has been kind of, like, lazy and not so creative, but uh, as far as picking a winner for this, I really feel like the fans are going to turn on Charlotte Flair here. I know she's the baby face, but I feel like Rhea Ripley has gotten the momentum. And, you know, this whole thing that she's been doing with Dominic, the mommy character and all that stuff, it's things are kind of just going her way right now. So I'm going to go with Rhea Ripley defeating Charlotte Flair because, you know, obviously Charlotte doesn't need the championship. She's already wanted enough times where she's kind of just a household name. Rhea Ripley needs this victory more and to kind of establish herself as like the next top star in the women's division because it, you know, Becky, Charlotte, Bailey, they're kind of getting a little bit up there. I mean, I know they're still going to be around, but you got to start building towards the other women. You know, they've done a great job with Bianca Belair and all that stuff too. It's not like they're not trying, but they need to get another star up there. And Char uh, Rhea Ripley is definitely that person to get into that role. So I'm picking her to uh come out victorious and again look for the crowd to be on Rhea Ripley's side uh at WrestleMania in SoFi. And finally we come to what I believe is going to be the main event. It's either going to be this or it's going to be the SmackDown Women's Championship match, but considering the build, I don't think it's earned the main event slot even though like I'm all for the women main eventing WrestleMania, but this year I don't feel like they've earned it. Uh the one person who has earned it is Sami Zayn. And he's going to be teaming with Kevin Owens to challenge the Usos for the undisputed WWE Tag Team titles. This has been an incredible story that has been going on since like mid-April, mid-May last year. And it's been a super slow build. And obviously we saw everything that happened with Roman and Sammy in the lead up to Elimination Chamber about a month and a half ago. And it's been just this incredible ride with Kevin Owens and the, the friendship with Sami Zayn and them teasing all of that and and the history and again this is going to be the most emotional match of the entire weekend even more so than Cody and Roman this tag title match I'm really looking forward to it's going to be back and forth it's going to be a lot of high drama and I think it deserves to be the main event it's one of the most anticipated tag team matches in a very long time and I think you end night one and obviously night two obviously we'll, I'll get to that but uh, this is going to be the payoff here for Sami Zayn and this incredible ride he's had as kind of really the MVP of WWE as far as like storytelling and just organic rise from the fans and cheering him. So him and Kevin Owens should capture the tag titles here off of the Usos. That's what I'm predicting. That's, you know, WrestleMania is also about payoffs and giving you the moment and them winning the tag titles here in front of a huge crowd at SoFi is going to be amazing to see. And hopefully they deliver on that. You know, Triple H has been good on delivering us predictable moments. And it's okay for wrestling to be predictable. Um, it doesn't always have to be shock and awe or a twist out of nowhere. Sometimes you can, you know, it's like watching a movie. Like, obviously you want Batman to be victorious at the end, right? You don't want us out of nowhere see him lose and then the movie ends, right? Like, it just sometimes doesn't make sense, like, it's okay when wrestling's predictable. So this is a predictable outcome, but the fans will eat it up and everybody watching around the world will eat it up as well. So 
Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn will take down the Usos, who've had a very long reign as tag team champions. And this sets up all po- possible matchups down the road, even a rematch if you want to do it with the Usos. Um, but this is their time and this is the payoff for Sammy, especially if you're not going to give him that chance to win the, the WWE championship. He deserves this, like, no doubt. And that's night one of WrestleMania, which again, the card is very even on both nights, so it's not like one stronger than the other. Now, obviously, this is all on paper, right? The superstars still got to deliver, but I think this has the potential to be one of the best WrestleManias in history, if not the greatest, if everything goes like according to plan. So it's been built that way. Now it's time for these superstars to deliver. Let's take one more break. We'll come back. We'll wrap it up, and I'll finish off night two of WrestleMania. This is Palace Off the Top Rope. We'll be right back. This April, WrestleMania. I feel the need, the need for speed. Goes Hollywood. I'm flying, Tiz. Funny how, like a clown, I amuse you, and there's no going back. What about the face paint? It's exfoliating. What's with the voice? All right, welcome back. Let's finish this off strong with WrestleMania Sunday. Um, like I said, this is a very even two-night event, so one's I don't think is stronger than the other, but if Sunday ends the way we think it's going to end, it's definitely going to be probably one of the greatest WrestleMania moments in the history of the company. So let's start with, um, I don't know what's going to open up here. I, definitely night one has the better opener with John Cena. I don't think you can get any bigger than that. But uh, let's run down the card here. So on night one, they have the showcase for the men for the tag, uh, the four-way tag. Uh, you're going to do the same thing with the women here on Sunday. So you got the teams of Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez versus Natalia and Shotzi versus Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler versus Sonya Deville and one of my new favorites who's popped up on the scene again, Chelsea Green in the Karen character, which I have to give a shout out to Chelsea Green. She's been doing amazing as this character. And I know she came in like kind of like last second. So maybe she didn't earn this WrestleMania spot. Yes, she did. She's been doing great character work. And sometimes that that overshadows like, you know, I, I understand WrestleMania and like working all year to try to get on the card. But sometimes like people just leapfrog and they do incredible work. And she's done amazing stuff with this character. So she's earned the right to be on the card. Um, Again, this is probably going to set up for whoever's going to challenge Becky and Lita for the titles down the line. And um, if I had to put my money on it, it pro- probably will be Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler that take the win here. Because obviously, I still down the line would love to see Becky and Ronda go at it again. Uh, but if we can't get it one-on-one, at least do it in a tag team format. And I think that's a money match to be made with... Uh, Becky and Lita against Ronda and Baszler, whether it be at Backlash or just somewhere down the line. Um, so I'm going to pick them in this matchup, which again, this is a, it's not a highly built match, but it, it's at least gotten some TV time and um, whatever. Like I said, fluff at WrestleMania, it happens. So whether this opens the show or it's somewhere in between the main event and after a big high profile match, um, this is probably where it's going to take place on the card. Next up, we got Brock Lesnar versus Omos. Um, it's Brock Lesnar doing something different, so I'm okay with it. Brock Lesnar has kind of been in doing the same stuff these last couple of years, especially with like Roman Reigns. And it's fun seeing him here being the baby face. So obviously the big draw of this match is going to see Brock Lesnar doing the F5 to Omos, who's just like this giant monster so that's going to be the wrestlemania moment there for for the packages down the line so uh easily brock lesnar is going to win this match he's not going to lose against omaz uh, unless he does like the f5 and then like they do like you know they reunite the hurt business and they beat him down afterwards because we really don't know what's uh left for brock lesnar here in wwe i think he's finishing up soon if not he's probably going to go away for a long time again and then who knows when we'll see him again so this, I think, would be a good opportunity to reunite the Hurt Business. They've been teasing it a lot on Monday Night Raw. Again, Triple H has been very good about putting little Easter eggs in the backgrounds. If you catch stuff and you've noticed MVP talking with, you know, Shelton Benjamin and, you know, Cedric Alexander, and he's tried to talk to Bobby Lashley at points. So, and then you add an Omos. I think they could be a really good 
stable and they could try to get that going again. Especially with the right creative behind it. Next up, we got a Hell in a Cell match with Edge taking on Finn Balor. I'm glad that Finn Balor's finally getting a high-profile WrestleMania match. He's been on the roster for a couple of years now, and I think he's so underrated. And I think Triple H knows how to use this character, and he's going to get his opportunity to shine here with Edge, who this is probably going to be his final WrestleMania, as he stated he did want to retire later this year in Canada when they're up there, I think, in August. So should be a fun match. We'll see how wild it gets. Uh, there's been pictures at SoFi Stadium of the original Hell in the Cell structure returning, so that's a plus. They've had the red colored structure for a couple of years now, which I think is, I don't like the look of it, and I've even seen it in person live when they had the Hell in the Cell pay-per-view here in San Antonio, and it, you couldn't really see anything through, through the cage, so it's gonna be nice to have the traditional one back, so it'll have a fun look and presentation. I'm sure the match will be fun. The feud, while it's been built and it's been going on, it's kind of been going on a little bit too long, but you know, Finn Balor and Edge should deliver a really good match here. But I'm expecting Finn Balor to go out on top because he really needs that huge push to put him to the next level. I, an Edge win really does nothing here, uh, cause he kind of got revenge at the last pay-per-view at Elimination Chamber with his uh, wife Beth Phoenix and they got revenge on Rhea Ripley and all that stuff from everything that happened at Extreme Rules uh, I think it was last October so they kind of got their revenge on that so this is a good opportunity to put over Finn Balor again it's all about the future and the now and WWE's been doing a good job of pushing these newer stars uh, so Finn Balor here I'm going for the victory next up we got another match that could possibly steal the show uh, a triple threat match for the Intercontinental Championship Gunther defending against Drew McIntyre and Sheamus now, Sheamus is hit or miss for me, but obviously his match with Gunther at Clash of the Castle was incredible, had amazing crowd reactions and just overall near falls. So you add in Drew McIntyre, who's pretty solid as well, and I think the crowd's going to be pretty good for this one. Now, as far as predicting a winner, I think you could go with either. I'd be happy. Um, I don't know if they're ready to let Gunther lose a title just yet, but I know Sheamus is also one title away from like capturing like everything. So this is one where I would love to give it to Sheamus, but if I'm booking it, Gunther still got to stay pretty strong here. Cause he's one of your next top, like really top villains. So, or you either have Sheamus pin Drew McIntyre and, and Gunther never takes the pin. You can go that route as well, but I like Gunther here getting his first win at WrestleMania, but Drew and Sheamus look awesome in this match. So again, it could be one of the stealers of the night or of the whole weekend. Next up, we got the Raw Women's Championship. Bianca Belair defending against Asuka. Belair's pretty much been the champion for a little over a year now, I believe, or she's approaching that mark. Um, Asuka, we know, is just incredible. She never has, she rarely has a bad match. The only thing that's been bad about this is obviously the build, but again, that's been all around with the women. Uh, no idea who, who's supposed to be like, I don't know if they're trying to do a traditional like, baby face versus baby face but oscar's done some weird stuff in the build-up to raw you know looking like she's gonna attack belair with the mist and all that stuff it's just been really weird and it has no heat i know they tried to do some video packages this past week on monday night raw to build it and they they should have just gone that route from the start and not have them like uh touch each other or just come into contact and just do these video packages just highlighting all of these women's like fantastic accomplishments and then you have your match right there. But these little weird, you know, interactions that they've had and, you know, they've tagged together too and, you know, miscommunication and, you know, accidentally hitting each other, stuff like that. I don't know. It's just hasn't worked for me. But the match is going to be good. I know that, uh, Asuka won the Elimination Chamber to earn this match. But I don't see her winning the championship here. I still think Bianca Belair has got, a little bit of umph left as champion. She's still got some matchups here on the horizon that could be pretty good down the road. So I don't see them taking the title off her quite yet. So this will be a good opportunity because Asuka's been the champion as well. So And Bianca Belair has proved to be a pretty, pretty good champion. I'm not going to lie. WWE has booked her really well, especially up against Becky Lynch. They put her completely over in that feud. So Belair has done a good job as champion. I just don't think it's time just yet. And finally, folks, we come to the main event of WrestleMania, the true one main event. 
and that is going to be the Royal Rumble winner, Cody Rhodes. After returning a year ago at WrestleMania 38 in a surprise appearance, he's going to challenge Roman Reigns for the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship. Um, to say this build has been just what I want out of a main event has been absolutely perfect. I could not ask for anything better. They've built up the baby face just right in Cody Rhodes. You know, he's pushing all the merchandise now. The crowd is super behind him. He hasn't lost a match since he's returned to WWE. And that's the, it's just easy booking guys. Like Vince McMahon would have completely ruined this by now. He would have had Cody lose a couple of times, multiple beat downs and stuff like that. But sometimes it's good for your baby face to just have strong booking all the way through. Cause then you have the crowd and you have like the little kids that believe in Cody and they're seeing him rise above and having them just stand tall and just be the hero. Like that's a true baby face. And that's what. WWE has been sorely missing since like John Cena. So that's why I think this WrestleMania is very important because it could turn the corner and you have your next face of the company. I know they wanted to do that with Roman Reigns, but it didn't work and the crowd didn't want it. And sometimes you have to have all the stars aligned to get your next baby face. And Cody Rhodes is that guy. Now I know he's not the youngest guy, but he's definitely a guy that could carry your company for a couple of years as the top person you know you see him in interviews like on the you know rich eisen show and stuff like that and he's very you know he's up for the task and he had he fits that mold to be the the top guy in the industry for the company so like i said the build-up to this match has just been so well done they've interacted uh reigns and and roads only a couple of times but the times that they have it's been magic it's been like just that old school feeling that you want, right? In a, in a matchup where, you know, we've never seen this one. Well, we've seen it earlier when Cody still wasn't the guy, but like now these guys at the very top of their game, we haven't seen them come face to face and they haven't, uh, yet to like, you know, get physical. Now we have one more episode of SmackDown to go and there's people that are saying like, Oh, like we need to see like Cody get a beat down or something like that. But I'm kind of fine with them not touching each other until we get to the actual main event of the show because it just builds that anticipation much more. So uh, what I'm hoping to see tonight in this final showdown that's going to happen on SmackDown is they do just another uh, war of words. It's been good. That's that's enough. That's your build. And then obviously um, I talked about predictability in wrestling and sometimes it's okay and I think it's time. Roman Reigns has been the champion for almost what going on two, two and a half years to three years. Uh, you know, I've lost count. It's been a long time already. It's like basically like still in the middle of the pandemic when he came back and won the belt. And then he united the WWE title and the match with Brock Lesnar last year. So he's had his moment to shine, even though he's not the traditional baby face, but he has kind of carried the company being in the role he's been in with the bloodline and Paul Heyman and all that stuff. But it's time for somebody to overcome and take over and just be the traditional good guy that, you know, the kids love to come and cheer. And even, you know, all the adults are also into Cody as well. So this is the perfect time to pass the torch and just give us that WrestleMania moment with the next guy that's going to take the company forward. And Cody Rhodes, I think, is that guy. All the stars are aligning. It would be very very bad i think if you do like the twist like in roman retains or something like that and then cody ends up winning like a month later at backlash or something i think you'll kill it you know people were wanting roman to lose to Sami Zayn only like a month and a half ago at elimination chamber but no they've they've stayed the course so if you're not going to do it there with sammy you got to do it with cody if not you're just going to blow the entire thing but triple h i think he knows what he's doing and I think we're going to have like that traditional classic WrestleMania ending with the baby face overcoming the, the dominant heel and then just taking us to the next uh, journey, the next chapter of where the company's headed. So I'm very much looking forward to this WrestleMania. It's one of those where like, yes, like I, I'm going to have the jitters like tonight, like just nervous and not nervous, but just excited to want to see it. Everything looks wonderful here. Uh, I can't wait to see what the entrance is going to look like and, and all that stuff. I've seen little teases on the internet. It's going to look like it's got a good stage. And then, of course, just just the crowd is going to be incredible. And to see how they react, there's there'll probably be some you know surprises on the show. But for the most part, I'm just looking forward to the matches that are on the show. 
and 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 that's a good thing, right? Like you want to be excited for the matches and not just like, oh, like what are the surprises that are going to happen as opposed to like just what's on the show, like you know. And that's just a, a credit to Triple H and how they've booked this entire run of WrestleMania. Like everything for the most part is very interesting. It has, um, like there's not, I mean, other than like the tag team matches, but those are like whatever. They won't last long, but all the major matches have like important build to it and investment. So you're invested in the characters and where all of this stuff is going. So yeah, I'm, I'm super excited and it should be a fun two night event. Um, and then obviously we got WrestleMania 40 coming up next year in Philly, which the 40th anniversary, I would love to try to go again in person. Again, if you've never been to a WrestleMania, it's unlike anything you've ever seen in your life. Um, I went to WrestleMania 34 in New Orleans. I'm coming up on the five-year anniversary of that. Uh, and that was just an incredible experience. And I, I would love to go again. And for the 40th anniversary, and we'll, we'll see where the company is a year from now. I mean, a year ago, like, it was a good show, but it still had that weird booking because of Vince McMahon. But now we get a full year-long build of Triple H. Uh, that's just more exciting. This company is just on the biggest uh, upward tick. They have all the momentum going right now. Business has never been just, it's as good as ever. The sales, the, like all the gates, all the raw smackdowns, the house shows, they've been doing record numbers. So it's, it's a fun time to be a, a wrestling fan, but it's, it's specifically, it's more fun to be a WWE fan right now with just everything going their way. And they need to cap it off this weekend with a good WrestleMania. So, um, as long as we get good performances out of the matches and not, not really, Weird booking results should be a good one, folks. I'm excited for it. Hope you are too. And that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, I'm sorry again that it's coming later in the week, but again, I wanted to see which matches were going to happen on which night of WrestleMania. We got that out of the way. I got my predictions. Uh, again, we'll see what happens on the actual show. You can follow this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, um, all these different types of platforms where you get your podcasts. You can listen to this. I distribute it through podbean.com. You can download the Podbean app. You can listen through there. I do also post these on my social media accounts on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, you can listen through there. I, I appreciate any feedback. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. It means the world to me. It's been fun being back. And of course, I can go on and on about wrestling. I can go on for another probably two hours talking about WrestleMania, but it's time to go. It's time for the showcase of the immortals and let's get ready for WrestleMania folks. Enjoy. God bless you. We'll see you on the next episode. Remember I was your hero. 